Well, we're starting a new message series today called The First and the Greatest. And I've kind of had it in the back of my mind for a number of years that at some point I'd like to do a message series on what Jesus said was the first and greatest commandment, that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And I wanted to do this series because I believe that those of us who love God, who understand all that he's done for us through Jesus Christ, want to know what it is that God wants from us, how we can please God, um, how we can love God back more fully. And Jesus says what God wants is our love, that he wants us to love him with all of our heart. He wants us to love him with all of our soul. He wants us to love him with all of our mind, and he wants us to love him with all of our strength. And in this series, we're going to be talking about and exploring some ways that we can love God in this all-out kind of way. And my plan is that each week, we'll look at one of these topics, whether it's heart, soul, mind, or strength, and talk about what, what that is and how it's different from the other things, because they're all kind of at the center of our being. And then I want to talk about some ways, uh, some steps that we can take or some adjustments that we can make in our life to love God more fully. And today we're talking about how to love God with all of your heart. And um, that word heart is used in the Old and New Testament about a thousand times. So um, it's a pretty important concept in this um, love story that we find in Scripture. So what is the heart? And of course, there's the heart that beats within us, that pumps the blood, that you know, uh, that makes every, keeps us alive, and that's pretty core to to who we are. But then this other heart that we find in Scripture uh, is this uh, is a heart that's unseen. It's not something that you can put the paddles to and bring it back to life. It's not something that you can do an EKG or a stress test on and find out the condition of it. Um, God is the only one that knows the condition of our heart. But Jesus says that there are some uh, actions and words that kind of give us an indication of what's going on in our heart. And uh, for the purposes of this message, I want to look at the uh, definition here that's kind of what we're going with. The heart is the center of emotional, intellectual, and moral activity. And that word activity is pretty important to understanding what the heart is all about. Our, our heart is what moves us to action. It's the central or, uh, office of our life, and it can move our, uh, our life in a good or a bad direction. In fact, it's so important to the outcome and the direction of our life that in Proverbs 4.23, the, uh, Solomon tells us, gives us this advice, and and this is our memory verse this week, so let's read it together. Proverbs 4:23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4:23. For everything flows out of your heart. And that means it's very important uh, that we monitor the condition of our heart. Our, our heart is a powerful force for good or for evil. And, you know, God can move mountains uh, through people whose hearts are fully his. And when our hearts are engaged, we respond. That's when we act, is when our heart gets involved. 
And I experienced that um, firsthand this week. I was working on this message when I came across a Facebook post, and it just so strongly illustrated what I'm uh, trying to say here. But um, on Facebook this week, I saw this uh, article or a story about a teacher who um, works in a school where most of the children are living in poverty. It said 93% of the students uh, are on the reduced meal plan uh, because they can't afford to pay for their meal for the day. And um, so she wanted to kind of get to know them a little better, understand what their lives were, were, the, were like because she knew they had a hard way to go. And so she thought up an assignment uh, to give them, and her assignment was uh, what she called, uh, I wish my teacher knew. And she had the kids write on a piece of paper one thing that they wished their teacher knew, that she knew, about them and their life. And what she found was pretty uh, striking and, and touching. Uh, here's just four of them. One of them said, I wish my teacher knew I don't have a friend to play with. And I'm going to read these out loud for the um, people listening on the tape and stuff, but I know you can read. I wish my teacher knew how much I miss my dad because he got deported to Mexico when I was three years old and I haven't seen him in six years. I wish my teacher knew sometimes my reading log is signed because my mom is not around a lot. I wish my teacher knew I don't have pencils at home to do my homework. And you know, when I read those the first time, I just, it was, I, I had trouble not weeping because you just, it's just, um, you want to do something, right? I, I wished I could buy pencils for, for all of them or I could take a walk with a child that didn't have a friend to play with and, and uh, catch bugs or something. You know, you just want to, to do something with them. Our hearts move us to action. Our hearts uh, can overrule our fears. Uh, they can overcome our self-centeredness. And when our heart moves, is moved, we act. It, it's our primary motivator. And you know, in Scripture, the, uh, the mind and the heart are closely related. Uh, you'll find Scriptures that uh, talk about us thinking with our heart. Uh, Jesus got angry with some folk uh, when he healed somebody and their thoughts were, you know, they were upset with him because he healed on the Sabbath. And, and he said to them, he could read their hearts or minds, whatever, and he said, why are you thinking those thoughts in your heart? Uh, so the heart and mind are closely related. We'll talk about that more another week. But I really uh, think that this quote that I read this week helps us to understand how they're interrelated. The heart gives values to the things that the mind understands. So the things that we conceive with our mind and understand with our mind, the, the heart kind of prioritizes those and, and decides, helps decide what, which ones we're going to act on. And, you know, there's this book called Switch by Dan and Chip, uh, Chip Heath um, that's pretty interesting if you're talking about how to initiate change and those kinds of things. Uh, in your own life or in organizations, but it gives us a picture of how the heart and mind work together to make decisions and to direct our <clears throat> our actions. 
And in that book, they use the illustration of the elephant and the rider. And um, the elephant is our heart, and the rider is our mind or our logic, uh, um, our rational thought. So if the elephant um, and our, or our heart is moved, then everything is uh, going goes good. But if the heart is not moved into action, then the mind will have a very difficult time getting anything done. I mean, <laughs> you can know what you ought to do, but if your heart isn't in it, you know, the mind is just going to have a really hard time getting anything done. And, and your mind can convince you to do something, but it will only be half-hearted, right? Uh, so I, I want you to imagine if everyone in the church had a heart on fire for God that was all in, that was fully devoted to God. And all Christians, all followers of Jesus Christ around the world fully love God and were moved to action by their love, heart, soul, mind, body, and strength all going in the same direction. What a difference that would make in the world. If God had all of our hearts, they were fully his, devoted to the things that matter to him, matter uh, in the world, what an impact the church would have on the world and on suffering. So this morning I want to talk to you about four actions that we can all take, that we can build into our lives to grow our heart for God. And the first one is, um, to, to start out with, to give your heart to Jesus. Uh, that's the starting place. Jesus is the one who makes us able to love. Uh, he helps us to overcome our self-centered life. Uh, to want to live for God. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he fills you with his life, with his spirit, with his love. And his Holy Spirit enables us to love God, to love others, and, and to love God with all of our heart. Romans 5, 5 says that God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Jesus is the one that enables us to love God as we surrender our life to him. Uh, and, you know, that's a daily process. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of continually surrendering more and more of our heart to God and, uh, and loving him more. So the second action then that, that we can take is to spend quality time with God daily. And, you know, I know um, sometimes we... We do this, and then we kind of slip away from it. And I want to encourage you to get back into it if you haven't. But we need to set apart time for prayer, for reading God's word, for worship. And, um, you know, to, to spend time with God. And I said quality time because, you know, sometimes we can skim the scriptures and I read my Bible today or whatever, but we haven't really been listening to God. You know, it would be very difficult to convince a spouse that you love them if you never spent any time with them. <laughs> you know, they just wouldn't believe you. And uh, you can't love God with all of your heart if you don't spend time with him in prayer, in reading his word, coming to worship. And I especially want to encourage you to read scripture daily. Um, when you spend time in the scripture every day, then... Uh, that opens your eyes up. It reminds you of God's love for you. You're reminded of what God's done for you through his son, Jesus Christ. It's just so important.
for that relationship with God to be in his word and let him speak to you about his love for you. But scripture also is a safeguard that helps us keep tabs on our heart. Um, <clears throat> in Hebrews 4.12, we read, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. And when, when our heart is fully God's, <clears throat> And, you know, we're directing it in a good direction and, you know, we've got passions and uh, that things that God's put into our life that have meaning and give our life meaning and purpose. And, you know, our life is going in, in God's direction and we're using it for his purposes. Our heart can be a great thing and those passions that God put in us are, are wonderful and God can use us in amazing ways. But our hearts can also be deceived. Um, they're the seat or the center of all kinds of passions. And uh, they can be godly passions or they can be worldly passions. And like that elephant, <laughs> the, the heart can override our mind and our rational thinking and lead us off into territory we shouldn't be going. The heart can lust after things and after people and after power and all kinds of longings that are contrary to a godly life. But when you get into God's word, his word is active, it's alive, it exposes our thoughts and our attitudes and the longings that are often replacing uh, our love for God and taking God's place in our life. Those things get revealed when we get into God's word. Um, Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, God's word is like a guardrail. Uh, for our hearts, and and a reminder of God's deep love for us. And you know, I don't know about you, but I can tell when I'm um, not spending the time in His Word. I mean, I always I always have devotional time, but sometimes it's like, uh, okay, I'm I'm reading it, but I'm thinking about I got to do this today, I'm making my list, and you know, and and you can not do that for very long at a time before it starts to show. In your life, and I find myself being short with people or impatient with people. And Jesus said that this uh, would happen. He says in Luke 6:45, "Out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks." And so, you know, you can kind of observe what's going on in your heart by noticing, taking note of, or observing what's coming out of your mouth uh, by the actions that you're taking, the the level of your patience, and those kinds of uh, things, whether you're criticizing and judging others or uh, gossiping and speaking in harmful ways, if you find yourself misusing God's name, those kinds of things are indicators that something is amiss in your heart. And it, you need to get with God. You need to get back to that time in God's word and um, prayer and taking time to be with God so that he can fill your heart with his spirit, with his word, with his goodness, and uh, his love. So then the third action uh, to grow your heart for God is to regularly seek God's forgiveness. Um, we all mess up, so, so we need forgiveness and uh, to confess the things that we've done wrong. And You know, when guilt and shame are taking up space in your heart, you can't love God with all of your heart because 
because you've got this uh, part of your heart that's in hiding. And you're allowing the enemy to store up bits and pieces of past mistakes in your heart. And when you do that, there's a part of your heart, there's a room in your heart that's reserved for regret and for shame. And it isn't free to love God. You can't love God with your whole heart if, if part of it is, is set apart for something else and it's occupied by, by shame or by guilt. And, and the other piece of this is that shame and guilt um, often leave us open or prone to self-defeating thoughts and, and actions. And, you know, uh, we feel like we should be punished. So we do things, uh, self-defeating kinds of things, to punish ourselves. And God doesn't want that for our lives. He doesn't want our hearts to be weighed down with guilt. And so um, we read things um, like 1 John 1, 9. that says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He gives us a clean heart, and and that's why confession and asking for forgiveness is is so important. You know, dump the junk, <laughs> unload it. You are not meant to carry it around. Uh, Hebrews 10:22 tells us what we are to do instead, and it says to draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Draw near to God. Trust what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Receive God's forgiveness so that you can be free to love him with all of your heart uh, and have a clean conscience. And then I want to talk to you a little bit, too, about the flip side of that because um, we need that forgiveness because it takes up space in our heart. But we also need to forgive others. Uh, The Bible talks about that root of bitterness, but that grows. Don't allow the root of bitterness to grow. And and that takes up space in your heart too. When you're bitter or angry with someone, uh, you know, that, that's occupying space in your heart and you cannot love God with all of your heart if you have people that you have not forgiven. And then um, <clears throat> the fourth thing is to give generously back to God from the heart. Uh, scripture is pretty clear that you can't love both God and money. And there's really only room in our heart for one great love and one Lord. Luke uh, 16:13 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. So it's a matter of of the heart. Our finances are are always a matter of the heart. Jesus talked a lot about money because he knew how important it was. You know, I was um, reading an article in the West on the West Michigan Conference site this week and it was by Benton Heisler, the director of Connectional Ministries, and he was talking about how they set budget and uh, for the conference. And so not a really compelling article uh, in some ways, but it, all, it did have some pretty shocking st- statistics in it. And he said that the average attendance in all the churches in West Michigan Conference this last year was 32,895 persons per Sunday. So 32,895 
people, average attendance in West Michigan conference churches. But then he went on to say that that was down 12,378 persons per Sunday from 10 years ago in 2004. But the really astounding statistic um, was that in the 10 years prior to that, so from 1994 to 2004, we had only lost 500 in worship. So 1994 to 2004, we lost 500 in our average attendance in our churches. And then in the last 10 years, we've lost 12,378 people. And, and that's pretty striking. <laughs> uh, and of course, that means that the financial picture is not good in many of our churches. Uh, they, he said that there was 1314000 decrease in income reported from 2013 to 2014. So just in one year, our churches have $1,314,000 less to do ministry with, to, to uh, reach people for Christ with, to feed hungry people and care for people with. And, you know, our church hasn't been as drastically um, impacted in attendance as others, but we are looking at some real financial needs right now because we've made decisions to, to not go quietly into that good night or however you want to put it, you know. We've made decisions that we want to continue to have a vital and active ministry here. Uh, that's why we've hired a children's minister. That's why we're um, putting uh, our resources into children's ministry and other ways so that we can connect with young families and, and the next generation. And, you know, these ministries require financial resources. And they are an opportunity for us right now in this very critical time, as you, you can see the trend that we're bucking here in the culture and in other churches, to invest in the kingdom of God. And, you know, we see God doing some wonderful things. New people are coming in through this, these ministries. And I believe that this church can see a different outcome than other churches are facing as they're closing their churches and having other kinds of losses. But it takes financial resources to combat those kinds of trends and, um, that we're seeing. And this is our current reality as a church, not just this church, but all churches. But our mission is the same as it's always been. People need Jesus. And we are putting ministries in place to help them get connected to God through Jesus Christ. We're seeing fruit from those. And there's no better time than now to love God with your whole heart and take seriously his teaching, his commandments on our giving. Uh, imagine if every person gave back to God what he asked, the impact that the church could have, the people that we could help get connected to life in Christ, the people that we could feed and clothe and help in so many other ways. Um, Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to grow your heart for God and your love for God, put your treasure where his kingdom is, work is, the things that he loves, and your heart will follow. Um, I really, you know, love is a decision. And there are things that we can do to cultivate that love, uh, love in our heart, the love in our soul, 
our mind and our strength. We're going to be talking about those over the next several weeks. I really encourage you to invite someone to, to come uh, and to come yourself as we talk about how to love God more fully, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we, we thank you for this church and for placing us in it, calling us to it, and uh, giving us the work that you've given us. We thank you, God, for um, your word that helps us to know who you are, how much you love us, that tells us about your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that you'll help us. Give us hearts, God, that are passionate and on fire for you, for your work, for your kingdom, uh, for the things that matter to you. And help us, Lord, to love you fully in the midst of everything that's going on in our lives, to always trust you and to look to you wholeheartedly. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.